How's it going, Lakeland? Welcome back to A View from City Hall. This is Chad McLeod, one of your Lakeland City Commissioners. I appreciate you tuning into this episode. I will be sitting down with Gene Conrad, our airport director, uh, at the uh, second half of this podcast. I'm, I'm actually going to try and keep my comments brief because I think the interview with Gene will be the most interesting to hear about all things Lakeland Linder International Airport. There's so much that's going on at the airport. A lot of discussion at our commission meetings about the airport and, and uh, operations there. So stay tuned for that. And I had mentioned on several previous episodes that I want to have more interviews and people from within the city staff to come and talk about different topics and give residents maybe a picture or just some insights into things that they might not know otherwise. And and that's certainly what I uh, hope to do with Gene. So if you have ideas, if there are interviews or people you would like to hear on this podcast, let me know. You can send me an email at chad.mcleod at lakelandgov.net, and uh, I'll try to keep those interviews coming on the podcast. And we, we had a meeting Monday night. It was our first commission meeting of the month of May, and it was a relatively short meeting. We were done in about two hours, and given some of the long meetings that we've had recently, that was definitely a, a shorter one. But we had several items that we covered. We almost always, at least at the first meeting of the month, we begin with a, a presentation from a different city department. And it is, it's helpful for us as commissioners to hear about uh, different things going on within our city and, and to hear a presentation and maybe some of the things that we just wouldn't get in the, the day-to-day or our regular interactions with staff. And uh, at Monday's meeting, it was a presentation from Heath Frederick. Heath is our director of uh, public works. He would be a good one to have on the podcast because I, I'm just amazed at how many different areas public works touches within the city and, and everything from traffic operations trash pickup, our recycling, lakes and stormwater, sidewalks, cleaning of city facilities. There, there's so many different facets to the public works department. And it's one of those departments where I think when everything is going well, we may not think about it as much. But when when things aren't, or if there are mistakes or there are issues that residents have concerns, and you can think about the different areas, sidewalks, traffic, recycling and and trash pickup, those types of city services that fall under the umbrella of public works, if you're having an issue with one of those, you notice it and it can become very visible. And so there's just a lot that's happening in that department. We have a lot of dedicated employees in public works who are going to their jobs every day to, to invest in our city and make Lakeland the best place that it can be for our residents and our businesses and visitors. And so I, I think it's just there's a, a lot that's happening in that department. Several months ago, I had the chance to uh, do several hours with Heath and meet members of the staff. And um, as part of their operations, they're in charge of monitoring our, our lakes and stormwater runoff and, and water quality. And they allowed me to take a brief ride on it's a new it's a boat. It's called a harvester, but it goes through lakes and it cleans uh, the different weeds and things that are in the lakes and and really cleans uh, and improves the water quality. I'm probably oversimplifying that. Another good person to have on this podcast would be Lori Smith. She oversees that entire operation and has a a science and and water background and could really explain what that harvester does and why it's important, why it's a a great tool for Lakeland with all all of our lakes. And so I I certainly uh, appreciate hearing from Public Works. We had a couple of items on the agenda uh, proclamations. You know, we started off with there, there were several proclamations, and those sometimes we may have four or five proclamations. One of the, the ones I wanted to highlight is that uh, Police Week is coming up next week. It's May 9th through May 15th. And so uh, Police Week is it's a week 
And, and there's a day on May 15th where we honor uh, our law enforcement officers, but with a special attention given to uh, officers who have fallen, given their lives in the line of duty. And on, you know, on that sense, it's a, it's a solemn week. It's a time to remember those, those officers and the lives that have been lost, who have been um, g- given their life, serving their communities and, and protecting our residents. It's also a chance for us to honor and recognize our men and women in law enforcement. And, and so that's sort of twofold of, of what's happening with Police Week. I believe that we will have blue lights uh, shining on City Hall. Uh, at night next week. So keep an eye out for that. I know our city manager mentioned that, and I think that's appropriate and glad to see that we're doing that. And we certainly appreciate all the the work and the the sacrifice and service from the men and women of the Lakeland Police Department. We spent uh, a little bit of time talking about changes to uh, policies for our city cemetery. So the cemetery that is uh, off Highway 98, uh, as you're headed toward Highland City, and it's off the Fort Fraser Trail. If you're heading south, it's it's on the left. And uh, the main discussion point that we got into was a policy relating to bicycles and should bicycles be allowed uh, to ride through that cemetery. And and there were sort of several points of view on that 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 we debated. You know, there are cyclists at times who will hop off the Fort Fraser Trail and and ride through the cemetery to extend their route, and maybe they're riding too fast and it's becoming a public safety issue. They're not really there to visit the cemetery, but then you could have cyclists who are there to to visit a gravesite and want to be able to ride uh, into the cemetery and ride to a gravesite. And so, what do we do with that? Do we, you know there was there was thought of you know maybe we just uh, put a ban on bicycles going through the cemetery. In the end, we. Uh, agreed just to table that part of the policy. We approved the rest of the policy. There were a number of items that just needed to be updated on that cemetery policy, but we uh, took the the bicycle portion and asked our staff to come back with some options for us to consider as, as to how we handle that. We talked a little bit, this was an item that passed pretty quickly, but it was, uh, there is a small piece of land that is owned by the Florida Department of Transportation. It's right across the street from the, the fire station on Main Street in downtown uh, near the joinery. There's a black chain link fence around this small uh, retention pond is really what it looks like. And there are uh, plans and thoughts from Parks and Recreation to turn that into a, a dog park. You may remember this was back, um, I think it was my first commission meeting in 2020 and had been uh, in the works before I came on the commission to to put a dog park on the small strip of land uh, nearby. It's really it's across the street from from this one uh, this DOT owned lot to put a dog park on that little strip of land next to the joinery parking lot. And when we were gearing up for what we we really didn't know would be the budget effects from COVID nineteen, the uh, monies that had been allocated for that dog park, we just put that on hold and said it's not the time to to put a dog park and, and to spend that money. And in the meantime, this this other idea has has come up that we could, if DOT will grant the city of Lakeland uh, ownership of this property, that we could turn this into a dog park that I think would be usable for a good portion of the year. There may be some times with water levels and with it being a uh, designed as a retention pond, uh, or it, it's not even a, you know, it's there's not water standing in it currently. There may be seasons where that happens, but uh, it slopes down. But but I, I'm looking forward to having, uh, and I, I stay tuned for this because we'll have Parks and Recreation, we'll discuss uh, the thought behind it, why this may make better sense for the city. I know there would be a significant cost savings compared to what we were looking at before, and it's essentially in the same place. And so um, we had to pass a resolution that is 
requesting Department of Transportation to uh, give us this piece of land. That is the first step. And then we'll see, uh, does DOT, uh, will, will they do that? And so stay tuned on that. We'll see see what happens. Those were really the main items that, that we talked about with a few other things here and there. The other, uh, you know, I wanted to give a special congratulations to Mike Music, who won the runoff election on Tuesday night. And it was a close election. The unofficial results, uh, he won by 146 votes. And so that just shows how close elections can be and that every vote counts. And And several of the commissioners were on the canvassing board Tuesday night. I talked about this after the April election, but it, it's a role that commissioners who are not running for office, that we act as a kind of outside review of the, the ballots coming in, the mail-in ballots, different um, questions that may come up if you have ballots that uh, were returned with no signature or the signatures don't match what's on file. And so it's really, it, it is a kind of a check and balance on the vote counting process, the elections process, and it it adds to, in my view, the integrity of that process. I told Supervisor of Elections Lori Edwards last night that I've learned a lot about their job, their role, how they ensure security and integrity of the, the elections and the vote counting process just by being on the canvassing board. So uh, as we were uh, last night, we were watching as the results uh, were coming in, but certainly want to congratulate Mike. I look forward to serving with him uh, in the coming months. And I also, I want to give a what I think is a well-deserved round of applause to Shandell Terrell because it, it was a close election and and uh, I know he campaigned hard and, and has been very involved over the years in this city. So certainly appreciate his willingness to to serve and to campaign. That's a, It's a tough thing to, to do that. And so with that, I think I'm going to go to Gene's interview and bring him in. I recorded this uh, earlier before I uh, came back and recorded the overview of the city commission meeting. And I hope that you learn a few things uh, as I did and want to welcome him to a view from city hall. I want to welcome Gene Conrad, our airport director at Lakeland Linder International to a view from city hall. Gene, I appreciate you coming in today and we're here at in focus studios recording this interview. And I know you're, you're busy. Uh, you're just coming off of sun and funds. We were just talking about that and, and, uh, the number of people who, who came out to the event. And you said you, you're already planning for next year's Sun and Fun. And that's, so there's no rest really in between events. Well, there's no rest for the weary at the airport. <laughs> so thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Obviously there's a lot of activity at the airport and, you know, we, we are very fortunate to have a great Sun and Fun and to have it again this year, obviously missing 2020. That was very unfortunate, but we we're all dealing with obviously the pandemic, but to be able to have it and to have a successful event and everybody be safe, even right. though we had the one aircraft land on the Polk Park, Parkway. Right. They didn't even dent the airplane. So they were great. They did a great job. But, you know, we're just very fortunate to have the event and, and you know, uh, have everybody show up from around the country. I know there was a lot of excitement about having the Blue Angels in town. You could just kind of feel the energy uh, when they were flying in the community. And just there was a lot of pride and patriotism in having them here in Lakeland. Absolutely. And we were the uh, the first event. Um, they just got what, what, they were, what they would call brand new jets. So they just got the Super Hornet. So for the team, it's new jets. They're actually older airplanes that have been flying in, in the Navy's fleet for a while. Um, but they were also celebrating their 70th, 75th anniversary as the Blue Angels. So we were their first show in their new jets. And so they were all pretty stoked to be here. And I know the crowd loved it and I loved it. And we got noise complaints for it too. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wondered about that. If in 
And so that's that's going to be one of my topics here in a in a second. But uh, I didn't know we got noise complaints about the Blue Angels. They are loud, but I feel like most people understand. Hey, this is it's one week, and it's a privilege to have them in town. That's that's kind of my take on it, and it's just it's spectacular to watch. And what I would tell you though is the majority knows, right? And they're accepting of it. It's sun and fun. It's been here for forty seven years. Everybody knows about it. But we have a lot of new people that live in the city now are moving here. So it's a shock to some of them, whether it's the Blue Angels or F-22 Raptor or the C-17 demo, which is a very large, obviously, cargo airplane flying around. And, you know, I I think it's a shock to some people that just moved here so that they hadn't witnessed it. And having a two-year in between 2019 to 2021, you know, that's a lot of people, not a lot of new people out around the airport that don't know about Sun and Fun, but they do now. Who aren't used to it, right? Yes, sir. (laughs) They know what the experience is all about. Yeah, one of the things that I realized early on when I came onto the commission last year is how busy the airport is, the amount of activity when we talk about growth in Lakeland, everything that's happening at the airport. And it seems like most commission meetings, we have something airport related that we're discussing. But it to me, it's exciting to see everything that's happening from Amazon and Noah and Draken, and I'll have you talk about some of those in, in a minute. But the big topic that we've had recently in the community, and I think a popular item of discussion, has been Amazon and, and noise complaints or just complaints about low-flying planes. But talk about that for a second, because there are efforts underway and things that you're doing and your staff is doing, and I think it's it's good for people to hear that. Sure. Well, it's a little harder to talk about this on a podcast, right? Because I can't point to maps and show people, right. you know, these areas <laughs> and whatnot. So, you know, over the last, you know, I've been here for now 11 years. And when I arrived in uh, 2010, we did about 64,000 operations a year at the airport. So one uh, takeoff is an operation, a landing is an operation. And so now, you know, in 2018, I think we did 128,000 operations. In 2019, I think we had 118,000. Obviously, we dropped off in 2020, but we're it's ramping back up now this year. It's, we've been very, very, very busy with everybody getting back to business and, and getting to work and flying around. Um, you know, but with that, you know, and obviously in, enters Amazon, right? So we've been busy. So we were in 2018, the hundredth busiest airport in the United States based on aircraft operations, right? Wow. But they're not larger aircraft like what Amazon flies. So to kind of put, put into perspective what they fly. So the blue aircraft, which are easy to point out, those are 737-800s and that's what Southwest flies. So I'm sure a lot of people fly Southwest or American, they all fly um, 737s. The larger white aircraft, that's a 767-300. So it's larger, it's probably about twice as big as the blue ones, the 737-800. And so when those aircraft are coming and going, even though we've had all of this air track air traffic prior to Amazon getting here, they're larger, right? So they look like they're lower. They look like they're not where they're supposed to be and all of that, but they're actually in the same locations at the same altitude as the other aircraft. They're just bigger. So they look like they're closer to you, right? So, you know, that, that psychologically, obviously people don't like to necessarily see that, you know, but they are, they do, they, there is an impact, right? And they do create noise um, when they're landing or whether they're taking off. You know, and what's difficult for us is we're trying to mitigate and find the right procedures and to fly into the airport, what makes the most sense. You know, it's a de- it's a balancing act because we, we, have, we have specific corridors, whether there's aircraft arriving from the east over Lakeland Highlands, um, South Florida, and then into runway 27, or aircraft arriving from the west, which there's less people out there, you know, because they're just warehouses and strawberry fields and houses out there, though, so there's an impact. And then, you know, our, our departure procedures and our departures off nine, for example. So our friends in Grasslands, you know, the, these aircraft are making a hard left 360 to the north turn, 360 turn, and they're low. And, you know, we do not like that. So we are trying to remedy that and work with the FAA. But at the end of the day, you know, we don't control as far as the airport, the airspace. 
And so we, and we've talked about this in the past right. with the city commission that we have complex airspace sitting between Tampa and Orlando. And so our tower, we're a federal contract tower. Um, and so they're not government employees working for the FAA. This is a private company that FAA pays to man our tower and to operate it. So they control five mile radius up to 2000 feet at 2000 and above is Tampa departure and Tampa approach. And they control all that. And then there's other altitudes that Orlando has in Jacksonville center and yada, yada. So with that, you know, early on when we had aircraft departing, they were climbing up to 2000 and then they were left to loiter sometimes eight to 10 miles Mm -hmm. at 2000 feet. That's bad. Right. Right. We don't want that. And those airplanes don't want it. They don't want to be there either. But as an air traffic controller, we love them and they do a phenomenal job. But, you know, they're, they're, you know, creatures of habit. You know, they want to do the same thing every single time because it's all about safety. And so when changes have to be made to obviously accommodate and work with our new flight activity, it's, it's been difficult for us to get to where we need to be. But on the positive side, we have gotten and we have made uh, significant progress. For example, the aircraft aren't loitering at 2,000 feet. It may happen occasionally, but we're getting them up now and getting, uh, getting them up and out. Um, um, we also implemented our preferential runway use program. So I will tell you, the majority of our complaints came from Grasslands, for example, because we were launching aircraft over the top of them at 6 o'clock in the morning. You know, Understandably. That's, yeah. Yes, and I get it, and that's bad. But I will tell you, probably over the last two months since we implemented the preferential runway use program, we've probably launched airplanes because of the wind um, one time mm. over grasslands. Mm. And we, we have no choice. Obviously, aircraft have to take off in the wind. But with the preferential runway use program, it's winds um, when they're calm up to a seven-knot tailwind. So from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m., we're going to land airplanes on runway nine. So we're not bringing them in over east east of the airport of South Florida, Lakeland Highlands, all of those homes over there. So we're bringing them in from the west at 10 p.m. After 10, they're coming in as long as they, the winds work in our favor. And in the morning, we flip the runway and we launch off at 2-7. So we depart off out to the west. So we're not launching over the top of, of Lakeland. So that's been very, very helpful and has cut a lot of complaints. Now, moving forward, there are the things we're working on, again, specifically for that depart or the arrival from the east over Lakeland Highlands, over South Florida, coming into the airport. Um, two things. One, working on what, what we call the Polk Parkway approach. So to set up a procedure that these aircraft will fly directly over the Polk Parkway. And then once they get to South Florida, then then dive in to, to uh, intercept the extended center line of the runway so they can land. And then the other thing is as well is to get them out further and establish their approach at 10 miles out over Lake Hancock and then get them up higher and, and, and also arrive and fly the procedure into the airport with basically flight idle descent. So they're not giving power to the engines as they're trying to, you know, get to the runway and all of that. So that will help significantly as well. Which makes more noise when they're that's correct that, yeah and a lot of what's happening too is tampa tampa approach will give these aircraft like on a day-to-day it's clear right so they'll give them the visual approach to runway 27 and when they do that they're cutting corners and you know they're trying to hand fly it into the runway and do all that so they'll be go over cleveland heights for example but they're at you know 12 1300 feet and then they're like a little low and then they gotta add power and that's bad we don't want that and i'll tell you too the pilots don't want to do that as, mm-hmm. as well they want to fly a stabilized approach all the way to the runway so we're working on that right now um, with our consultant, ABC X Squared, and um, they're working on that. So hopefully by the end of the year, uh, these things take a little bit of time because sure. all the coordination has to happen with the FAA. That we'll be flying the parkway approach and also flying in this straight-in flight out of descent up from Lake Hancock. It's fascinating to me as I hear you describe the thought process and the level of detail that has gone into this and looking at 
the approaches, the, the takeoffs, the impact to surrounding neighborhoods. And for most of us, we're not in the aviation community. I know I miss having Commissioner Franklin on the commission for a number of reasons, but his aviation expertise, many times he could break things down and say, here's, sure. what's, here's what's going on. You do a great job of that when you come and brief us, but just a lot of people, you see big planes and noise and you wonder, well, why is that? Why are they flying so low? But when you hear... You, you describe the the unique situation of our airport between Tampa and Orlando, the airspace, who controls it, that there are many factors going on. It's not as simple as it might seem. And so it's always helpful when I hear you give that backstory and to know that you're really looking at solutions and things that we can do and and it and that's in the works. But as you said, it, it takes time. It, it's not immediate, some of these things that we're putting in place. How do you engage the surrounding neighborhoods? You know, I talk about that a lot, just getting feedback from the community and input. And I remember you came to us and, and showed a map of places where we've received complaints, your staff, your team, you're tracking that, you're keeping a record of where you know, where the noise complaints coming from. You mentioned Grasslands being one of the you know, top communities for complaints. Yeah, so specifically with Grasslands, you know, I've spoken with several people on the HOA board there um, in the past and, you know, over the last several months. And, you know, we share, I'm sharing as much information as possible. And whenever they ping me, you know, and have questions or what's going on with this or whatnot, you know, we're responding them, uh, to them immediately. And, you know, moving forward, you know, with, you know, developing these new procedures for the approach into runway 27, um, our consultant will be working with them. We are going to put together a noise committee. Um, you know, so we don't want to do this in a vacuum mm. because the, the sensitivity to anything that we do, right? We have corridors into the airport, but anytime we shift it left or right, north or south, east or west, we're going to be impacting someone else, right? So it may be good for someone else, but then we're going to shift it over here and then that doesn't work either. So it's really a balancing act. So as you brought up, you know, engaging the communities again, whether it's grasslands or, or our friends out to the east, um, that's going to be important because they need to understand and, and, and be a part of the conversation because there's things we can do and there's things we can't do. And, you know, the big thing for us right now is, is to get ahead of this because we know Amazon's going to grow over time. Right. You know, the airport's going to grow. There's going to be other traffic, future commercial service at the airport as well. So it's not just Amazon, but we want to get ahead of it because it will be similar sized aircraft as we move forward, too. Because what if Southwest is here one day or Delta flying 737s? I mean, so there'll be more larger jets. And so, again, we just want to get ahead of it. But having the community input and for them to be part of the conversation is obviously very, very important. Again, we don't want to do this in a vacuum. And I've heard you say many times as an airport, we want to be a good neighbor to those in, who surround us and beyond and throughout the city and the region and and recognizing the importance, as you said, of the airport as it grows and we add uh, other carriers eventually. And so that's the next topic I was going to ask you about, because in addition to Amazon, I think the most popular question that I get is what's the latest with commercial airline service? And there were efforts to, to bring an airline in before COVID and then everything just went kind of on standstill. But now I think people are just curious, is that still do we think it's in the near future? And I know there are things that this even came up in our budget workshop last week. Uh, just what can we share? And when you know there are discussions or negotiations going on, sometimes it's difficult to be able to just lay all that out and say, here's where we are. But I do think people are interested in just knowing kind of what's, uh, how does that look for the future and for Lakeland bringing in a commercial airline? Well, I always tell my son, because he likes to ask me all the time, you know, Dad, when are we going to get a, a commercial carrier at the airport? I say, well, every day we're one day closer, son. <laughs> so <great. laughs> there you go. Um, you know, but this is something we've been working on a, a long, long time. I will tell you, obviously, we, we, were, we were making some headway pre-COVID, you know, pre um, but I will tell you right now, there has been much more 
discussion with uh, potential airline partners because of the pandemic and the way that airlines are now looking at their networks um, and, you know, really looking to put assets, you know, where they believe they're going to make money. Obviously, Florida is super, um, everybody wants to be in Florida right now. Everybody's paying attention to Florida. They know we're we're open for business. Things are happening here. And so they're super focused on Florida. Unfortunately, what I would tell you is just even a couple months ago, I felt much better about where we were, but now that all the vaccines are out and everybody's getting vaccinated and everybody's feeling better, you know, the airlines are almost going back to the way they used to do business, mm-hmm. right? So what I thought were opportunities a couple months ago, we're, we're having dialogue, those things are, which we hadn't had in the past. So I think that's good, but it is just, it's never easy. And, you know, all these variables that we don't control are always changing. And whether it's fuel, it's pandemics, it's, you know, the network strategies for these airlines and their businesses change and who they want to serve and where they want to serve, whether they want to serve major markets or serve second tier markets like us, you know, all those things are always changing. So at the end of the day, you know, for us, it's finding the right partner. And, you know, our, our goal now and has been for many years is to get to a larger hub, whether it's Atlanta or Charlotte, and to be able to connect our people in and out. And, you know, we're going to get there. But it's, it's you know, the other thing is sitting between Tampa and Orlando, whenever I talk to the airline folks, they're like, well, what's the business case to be there? We already served Tampa and Orlando. We already have a bunch of capacity in both the airports, you know, and it's, well, no, I appreciate that. But your assumption is you're going to cannibalize all of your people you're already getting, right? Mm-hmm. So you think you're getting all of our people, but Southwest gets 30%, Delta gets 20%, Americans, it gets 18%, United gets 17%, JetBlue gets 12 you know? So everybody has their piece, you know, but if you are the one carrier that's flying in and out of here, the odds are you're going to, you're going to garner more market share or share of the market that you're not otherwise getting because of the convenience of that service being here. And again, from, from a selfish standpoint for the airport, I will tell you if it's, if, you know, when we do get American or Delta or whoever it is, you know, the revenue side for the airport isn't high, Hmm. right? So if we were running a lot, a lot of flights or whatnot, if there, if we only have three or four flights a day to Charlotte, for example, the revenue side isn't really that super high because, you know, a lot of the folks are going to be flying on that flight. I would, I'm, I believe based on the data, it's going to be people here locally, whether it's Lakeland and Polk County because of the ease of convenience. Now, granted, visitors and people want to come to Central Florida will figure it out eventually right. and rent cars here because that's really where the revenue generation is um, for the airport. Um, you know, but I, I, there's not going to be a huge revenue generator for, again for us. But in saying that, you know, on the selfish side, um, again, is, you know, for us, unfortunately, you know, we all have relationships with Tampa and Orlando International Airport because we're flying in and out of them, right? So I like Tampa. It's relatively close. It's easy to get in and out, right? But the drive's horrible. You know, but I have a relationship with that airport. A lot of folks don't have a relationship with our airport because we don't have commercial service, you know, and the only people that do are the ones that work out there in our facilities and work at our various businesses and whatnot. So they're like, what's the value add for the airport? Like with all this noise, all this activity, what, what does it do for me? And, you know, at the end of the day, I would say, you know, our economic impact, as you know, our number has, we just redid it and it's 1.5 billion now. When I got here 10 years ago, it was 167 million. And 10 years ago, we had 800 employees and now we have 3,400 employees working on the airport in city owned airport operated facilities or private buildings, you know, like Amazon's facility. So I know that's a lot I just said there, but I, you know, that's, that's the one thing for us that, you know, commercial service makes a lot of sense. We want to serve the community because we know a lot of people are flying. It's about 2,500 people a day, obviously pre COVID, um, they're flying in and out of Polk County, right? Not in our airports, but we're all getting on the road Mm -hmm. and driving to the other airports. 
So we know we can fill seats. It's just getting that first one convinced to dip their toe in. And that's part of the revenue guarantee, which I'm sure you want to talk about. But that's part of having that backstop because there is risk for them coming to this market. Sure. And I I know that's the putting that money back that we would have as a city to put into as a backstop to help guarantee if an an airline came and can't meet target revenues that um, there's a guarantee there. And we had pulled that last year, just moved it from uh, that allocation and said, we're going to just put this into reserves and not uh, make that available. But I I believe that's a priority going forward in this budget year to put that money back and be committed to to help bring a commercial airline here. I think it'll be an exciting day when that happens. Your pitch is strong. I, as I hear you talk about the the rationale for it, it, it makes sense. And because I think it's it, even I've thought before, well, we are between Tampa and Orlando and I can see where carriers might be hesitant to come into Lakeland. But as it's growing and continues to grow, I think that case gets even stronger. And the airport, it, that is impressive when you talk about the economic impact and how it has just grown substantially in, in the past several years. And I, I think in years past, maybe the airport was sort of a hidden gem. If you weren't exposed to it, if you weren't part of the private aviation community or didn't work there, didn't attend Sun and Fun, maybe you didn't realize everything that it had to offer. But now as you have Amazon and these other operations and uh, the increase in employees who are there, who are on the airport grounds every day. So talk about some of the other companies and, and operations that are there. Noah, Drakken, those two in particular. Drakken is one that fascinates me, just what they do and the growth that they have seen based out of Lakeland Linder. Yeah, so Noah, obviously, we were very fortunate back in 2017 um, to get Noah to start operating out of the airport. So prior to them getting there, you know, we built them a $19 million facility. Um, we had to win a bid. We, are, we were basically competing against St. Petersburg, uh, the St. Peter, mm. Petersburg Clearwater Airport. Um, so we were, again, we were fortunate to get them, uh, built their facility. They started operating, and we just now completed up uh, another $13 million expansion for them. So they have um, 10 airplanes out there. There's 110 folks that work for them. Obviously, their mission is super critical to this state and, and what we do here. And, you know, they're looking to grow and add another 50 to 60 folks to to their team out there and another uh, two airplanes, I believe. You know, so that that's huge having them here. Uh, Draken International that you mentioned, um, you know, if you've seen fighter jets outside of Sun and Fun flying around the skies, that's who that's most them. likely that yeah. is that is Draken. <laughs> you get a lot of calls on that of people saying, what is no. this? Or who, or people now you feel like they're used to it and know yeah, what I they're think, doing. Yeah, I think they're used to it. I mean, we get a call, you know, occasionally, um, you know, they do engine run-ups on the airport. So prior to these airplanes, after they're regenerated going up, they have to do engine runs and all that. So we get some a, a few calls from people that are closer into the airport on that. But we also put alerts on our website to notify or on Facebook to say, hey, this is what's happening and why. Um, But essentially Drocker is a, a, you know, a contractor for the department of defense and they do aggressor flying. So just like Jester and Top Gun, um, they go up against our men and women and fifth generation fighters and fourth generation, you know, and train them up. And so they can go out there and protect our freedoms. And, uh, you know, it's just impressive. They've been here since 2011. They started with us renting 30,000 square feet. They now have 150,000 square feet out of the airport. They probably had uh, about three years ago, 50 people that were working there. They're now at over 300. Wow. So even through the pandemic and everything, um, they have been hiring as fast as possible because they've received um, very, very large contracts from the Department of Defense to do this aggressor flying at Nellis Air Force Base base and other uh, bases around the country. So they, it is phenomenal. I mean, they bought um, New Zealand's Air Force way back in what, 2012, 2013. In the last two years, they purchased 22 plus uh, F1 Mirages from Spain, from Jordan, same number from Jordan. 
um, another 20 plus L-159 uh, from the Czech Republic. So they're bringing wow. in aircraft from all over the world, go, literally going to countries, buying their air forces, shipping all the aircraft, all the parts back here, and then regenerating, rebuilding those airplanes and getting up the flying status and they go make money with them. And so it's, it's, with, it's yeah. and they go yeah. train. And so that's great, you know, but you know, all of our other businesses out there, we have eight A&P shops. So they're basically aircraft power plant, aircraft mechanic shops out at the airport. Okay. Um, they employ a lot of people to avionic shops, work on all the instrumentation and aircraft, a large paint shop, wow. interior shops, you know, so basically if you have any size aircraft, you know, um, up to even like a 737, we can, we, we can refurbish those, rebuild them, um, put new interiors in them, paint them. I mean, we can do all that at the airport and, you know, so that, that drives a lot of employment. We have non-aviation businesses out there as well. So Drew Trucking Logistics is out there in one of our office buildings. We have a large steel company, um, uh, Marefish, that's out there as well, that distributes uh, steel across the southeast, steel piping. Um, so they're out there. And Polk State College with their, their medical program and also Publix leases uh, quite a large footprint as far as offices from us as well. So just, just a lot of activity. Lot of, yeah, it's impressive. And when you hear all of these things described and and the growth that is taking place as i think about economic development and growth in the greater lakeland region the airport is a critical part of that and and i think as we're we're seeing that and we'll continue to see that in the one the businesses that are based there and growing and and thriving and that's encouraging to to see that and then also the you know just the the commercial transportation and amazon and all that 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 plays into it so it's uh, it is exciting. We've been, we have a lot of projects that come before the city commission with the master plan and a lot of the expansion and runway upgrades and things that I, I think are positioning us for that growth and for the, you know, the future transportation needs that, that will come into the airport. Sure. And one piece is, you know, obviously we talked about the economic impact on the jobs, but to get to that 1.5 billion jobs is one piece of that. The other piece is the investment, the capital investment that's yeah. gone into the airport yeah. over the last decade. And it's over $450 million of, you know, Grants from the FAA, yeah. FDOT, airport investment, and then private investment, Amazon's facility, new hangar development, private investors, our Central Florida Aerospace Academy, mm -hmm. right. solar farms. I mean, there's just been a lot of other investments. So we're, we as the airport, along with the FAA and the FDOT, have put a lot into the infrastructure to create the opportunity and create areas, for example, Amazon, for them to build that. Because they're where they sit today. We we cleared it. We built the ramp infrastructure. We brought in all the utilities, the storm, take, take care of the stormwater. Um, but they're paying that. They're paying us for that, by the yeah, way. So we right. didn't just invest this money and say, <laughs> right. here it is for free. Um, but all that investment that we've all collectively made over time has, has we're now seeing the rewards of that and yeah. all this, all this employment, which is, is good for the city. Sure. And that's an important point. I think that for the public to know is the, you mentioned the grants from FAA and Florida Department of Transportation, the amount of money that has come in in the form of those grants. That has been surprising to me to be able to, to see that. We approve a lot of these agreements and it's significant. And, and certainly there's city investment, but it, there is a large amount of capital investment coming in from other sources that, that make it possible what we have today and what we'll have in the future. So. Sure. And just from the FAA alone, I believe over the last 10 years, it's about $64 million the wow. FAA has put in our facility. And then on the FDOT side, it's, it's closer to 60 million as well. Yeah. You know, so then, you know, th those grants we're matching them, you know, whether it's 5% here, if it's a 50, 50 grant that we did for Amazon's facility mm -hmm. or whatnot, you know, we pay for that. So we're an enterprise fund for the city of Lakeland. I'm sure some people question, well, my tax dollars and what's happening. Yeah. So as an enterprise fund, we generate our own revenue. We pay all of our own expenses and then we pay all of our own debt as well. And when you look at our revenues over time, again, back to 2010, 
uh, it was about 3.5 million annually. Mm. This year, we're going to be close to 11 million. Wow. So again, you know, all this investment, all, yeah. you know, what is it doing? You know, again, it's the jobs, our revenues as far as the airport. So again, we can pay all of our own debt. Uh, the general fund's not subsidizing us. So that's right. that's a big thing because I know there's been a lot of discussions, you know, about other departments and other activities here at the city. But, you know, the the, the, the airport's on good footing and, you know, our revenues are, are going to grow over time and so is our surplus. To in the interview, just a couple of lighter topics. You've been here since 2010, you said? Yes, sir. What, what's your favorite thing about working at the airport? Oh, gosh. That's a tough you're, one. You're passionate about it, Gene. You can tell when you when you speak to us uh, at the commission or just out in the community, you're passionate about aviation. I know you grew up around it, and, and so. but I'm just curious, what's your, what's your favorite part of the job? I think, my, to be honest, the favorite part of my job is when I get to work and the people I work with. And, you know, I, you, I believe you heard me talk about it. I have an awesome team out the airport and, you know, we have very, very passionate people and, you know, I'm, I'm not, my assistant airport director, Chris Hallstrand could tell you this. He said, I'm his best boss, the best boss he's ever worked for, but I'm also the hardest, Mm. right? Because I have, you know, high expectations and I expect all, you know, but that's just me and I'm passionate, but so are they and they all get it. And, you know, we are very, we're as a city in the airport, we're very fortunate to have this team that's been put together over time. And we've had a lot of great people have worked in the past. John Von Prising, our former uh, business manager, just retired a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, he's gone now, but now we have Ed Young. Um, you know, he's going to do a great job for us, but we just have passionate people and they're fun to work with. And it's not always easy, but it's good to have a team that understands what we're trying to do, yeah. you know, because we fight a lot of battles, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and you know, it's good battles. It's right. not like we're fighting, you know, and, you know, but you know, it's just, it's a lot because, you know, we, we have to deal with everything on the airport because we have contractors out there. We have engineering firms, you know, we're dealing with all the tenants and we want to do do right by them. You know, we have to deal with the neighborhoods because obviously we project away from the airport, you know, obviously dealing with the city commission, you guys have to be behind us. Mm. And I will tell, I will say as well, um, credit to the city commission for all the support we receive because there's a lot of cities that don't have the support we mm. do. And if we didn't, we wouldn't be able to get it done. Yeah. Um, the NOAA deal, Amazon, those are things we had to go out on a limb a little bit and there was some calculated risk. Yeah. But if we didn't do it, those things wouldn't be here today. Yeah. You know, and that support is critical. And then, you know, also obviously the support from the city manager's office to allow us to just go out there and get those things done and be out on the limb. But at the end of the day, the best part is just the people I get to work with and, you know, the passion they have as well. Yeah, that's great. I love hearing stories like the NOAA example where we're competing against cities like St. Pete and, and going out on a limb and maybe stretching to what we historically that may not have been what we did in the past, but uh, we were successful and we won. And so I think we're competing more with those metro markets. And, and that's something I, I looked you know, for that to continue in the future. So that's those are good stories. Yeah, and I think something for our airport too is our goal is not to be the next Tampa or Orlando International that's Airport. Great point. We want to yeah. be Lakeland. Yeah. And we have cool, unique things at yeah. the airport. I mean, when you look at our facility, we do RC model flying on the airport. I mean, we have a high Central Florida Aerospace Academy, Lakeland Aero Club, all the flight schools, all these unique businesses. And any given point, you can have a kid, a 16-year-old kid in a Cessna 150, dropping an F1 Mirage, knowing their P3, Amazon, you know, landing at the airport or a BizJet, all in the pattern at the same time, yeah. you know, and... You know, it's just a unique facility and we're looking for unique partners. And again, we don't want to be those other airports. We want to be Lakeland, but we have unique things and we're going to stick to that too. I love that. When you say we want to be Lakeland, you mentioned your son asking you about commercial airlines. My son recently 
Uh, we flew out of Tampa and he said, dad, will Lakeland ever be as big as the Tampa airport? And I said, no. And I was trying to explain to an eight-year-old why not and the infrastructure and just the way it's built and designed and the unique things that we have at the airport that, that they don't. And there's a unique character about Lakeland. So I, I love hearing you, you say that. So Gene, I really appreciate you coming on to a view from city hall. How can people who are, who are out there listening, I don't have a huge following, but I'm working to build it and I've got neighbors and friends and, and people who, who tune in, but how can they connect with you if they have questions or just want to reach out to somebody the airport? Sure. The easiest thing is go to our website. Um, you can get my email um, or shoot me an email, you know, get my email, shoot me an email. Um, I'm, I'm very accessible. Um, and, you know, people have questions. I love to answer them because I want to make sure they have the accurate, you know, the right information because there's a lot of rumor and innuendo and yeah. different things out there. And we want to be as accurate as possible. And it's hard now in today's world because yeah. all the different media platforms that are out there. And we, I call some people sometimes like that's not accurate. Like, um, for example, uh, you know, the environmental assessment that's out there for NOAA's future expansion. Um, you know, th- there were some media outlets that weren't reporting accurately. So I call them because it, they, they need to be accurate. Yeah. And because people want, there are only so- certain sources that they're looking at. So that accuracy is super important. But real quick, if I could, on the environmental assessment. So this is for Amazon's phase two development. Right. And they're having a, we're having a public meeting on May 27th. May 27th. At RP Funding Center okay. at Sykes Hall from 6 to 8 p.m. So people can come out and review the documents, talk to talk to me personally, yeah. um, you know, and then also, you know, comment and whether they like it or don't like it and all concerns, noise, obviously, and things like that. So that'll all be addressed at that meeting. Yeah, we appreciate you doing that. I know talking about community community engagement, that's one way that, that we achieve that in a, in a major expansion plan like this for, for Amazon and that, that site. So thank you so much, Gene. I appreciate you coming on. I have to have you back maybe next year around Sun and Fun to get a preview of everything that's that's coming. Appreciate all the work you do. And thank you everyone for tuning in to a view from City Hall. You can email me at chad.mcleod at lakelandgov.net. I always love getting feedback and questions and just interacting with our residents. Thank you for listening. I'll be back again after our next commission meeting in May. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you back again soon.